few things to cover today, guys. First of all, uh, the stadium news. So there's been finally an update on the stadium news. It's been a, it's been a while. We've been waiting for it. Um, it's nothing too surprising, to be fair. It's a little bit... Uh, it's disappointing, but also at least it's a move step in the right direction finally. So as the article here translated by SemperInter.com. So there was two architectural firms that were, you know, kind of um, in toss to come up with a project for the new San Siro, the replacement for the San Siro by Milan and Inter. So two, the two clubs came together for this. It's going to be a joint effort. It's not going to be Inter on their own or AC Milan on their own. Uh, and out of the two projects, Populous is the one that is set to win. Uh, today it was announced because uh, it was out for you know some sort of voting or some sort of decision uh, where the, the the final design was going to be chosen. And as been reported by Corriere della Sera, Populous will be chosen to complete the exciting but difficult task of replacing the historic San Siro with a more modern, purpose-built stadium and entertainment complex. Um, however, however, this is the big caveat. There are still elections to be held in Milan, so there's no final decision on whether the actual stadium is going to be built, whether you know the San Siro will be torn down. There's still final decisions to be made on that. Still awaiting on the Milan Council, on you know the the bureaucracy to give the all clear on all these things. And this is is not a small caveat. This is a big caveat. We know in Italy is a massive issue, stadium building. Ask the Roma owners, James Palotta, who was there last. Uh, you know, the last decade, ask Rocco Comiso, who just came in. Um, ask anyone in the Italian, yeah, in Italian uh, ownership who have tried to build a stadium and it hasn't worked out. It's just too much bureaucracy in Italy. Um, so, um, so no official decision is expected to be communicated to the fans until late October at the earliest. And I'll be surprised if it is until late October. But um, yeah, let's take a quick look. If you guys didn't know what the difference was between the two projects that were available or were submitted. So one was called uh, Populous. So there's actually a website you can visit. It's called nuovostadiodimilano.com. So you can actually go on there and look at both of the submitted proposals. Um, you know, Milan Inter rivals on the pitch, joined forces for the sake of the city, uh, sake of football and the city of Milan, submitting a joint feasibility proposal for the construction of a new stadium. But also, guys, also... It's the development of a new sports district in San Siro. And why is it so important that, you know, everyone, we all, of course, we all, we all love um, San Siro. We you know it's the most iconic stadium out there in Europe. You know, when you, people know about San Siro, the, the, the look of it, everything, the, the towers, the feel, the noise, the atmosphere, everything about San Siro is just iconic. The amount of, you know, uh, trophies won there. But, it's not owned by Inter or Milan. It's council-owned. It's owned by the Council of Milan. Both Milan and Inter pay yearly, um, you know, a lot of rent, you know, a few millions a year to rent the Milan Stadium, the San Siro Stadium, the Miazza Stadium. So it's very vital. And uh, actually, there's a very good um, tweet from Daniele Mari that kind of puts into perspective exactly how much uh, how much of a difference a new stadium would make uh, to or a company owned or a club owned stadium makes to the to the revenue for for inter so let me just get that let me just find that tweet from daniele mari here it is i'm sharing my screen with you guys <clears throat> so these are the um 
potential income. These are the you know calculated estimates, so that nothing is in you know in uh, nothing is confirmed in terms of or particularly accurate. But you know, usually these estimates are done by you know experts who know know this stuff. Um, so let me translate that for you guys. Stadium revenues for Inter 2018. So from Deloitte, so these are you know certified numbers: 35 million in 2018. And then a historical record, I think that's for Italy, historical record, over 45 million generated. So this was before the pandemic by the stadium in terms of revenue. And this is, and then on top of that, as I said, you have to pay, the, there's, there's no counting the rent that Inter paying uh, to, to the Council of Milan. But revenue forecast with the new stadium is 69 from the new stadium. So because you, you get a bigger share of the tickets and the merchandise and all that kind of stuff. So 69 from the stadium itself so already big increase by owning the stadium you know already almost 15 million more um compared to, to 2019 but the one thing people don't realize is the new stadium is not just about the straight up stadium 55 million from the entertainment district so this will be the area surrounding it which we're going to take a look at, at the moment what the idea was the proposal was so overall approximately 124 million per year are expected uh, from from just stadium revenue if these plans are approved um, and yeah like we can take a look quick look at both the uh, projects um, where is it so stadium so there was two so we'll take a look at the one that's one uh, the cathedral is the one that actually looks like will be chosen the one by populace but we'll take a look at the rings of Milan who's King Darian says he was preferring this one um, both very modern designs and you know nothing wrong with either of those to be honest i prefer populars but even this one is nice the only reason i didn't like this one uh the rings of milano because it's quite similar to a lot of you know existing stadiums out there um actually if you look at the it reminds me a little bit of the um juve stadium yeah, you know together all this kind of uh marketing design stuff sustainable so this is the area around you know this is what other the other past that is going to bring revenue to to inter and milan the, all the this surrounding area you know parks entertainment cinemas shopping centers parking um you know football pitches now let's get this bit uh, me... yeah so you see from the outside it looks it looks quite similar to the um to me anyway it looks quite similar to the juventus uh to the juventus stadium or other modern stadiums out there it looks really nice and like it's a very nice design but like design wise i feel like yeah you see like the ability to convert it into a concert arena like sunset already is but we don't get any money from that um uh and the surrounding area also looks very modern you know state-of-the-art um then this is designed by sportium this is the architecture firm that's designing uh, Sportium. Um, what else is there? The gallery. Let's see if I'm gonna find better pictures. Yeah, you can see. I mean, it looks like you know those pictures of uh, Wakanda in uh, <laughs> in uh, the uh, Black Panther film or something like that. Like super futuristic. Um, lots of greenery, lots of trees. But it's, it's about all the area. It's not just about the stadium. It's about the area surrounding the stadium that's going to bring in the revenue, you know, the job creation for create for the creating the stadium, and then the jobs that are going to be, you know, to need to to run the whole infrastructure around it. So, you know, really and truly, the Milan Council should be 
I, I really don't understand why they wouldn't, you know, approve of something, something like this. And you know, the inside looks really nice, but the actual winning, or it looks like it's going to be the winning uh, project, is the cathedral. Um, and this was my personal uh, favorite out of the two because I feel like the design is very unique. Um, yes, it's a little bit square, a little bit. Uh, maybe not as modern looking as the other one, but I feel like it's it's got a bit more of a unique look to it. And they're looking to preserve uh, more of the San Siro. So uh, there's there's a part where it says like it preserves a, a part of the actual one of the towers of uh, of um, of the the existing San Siro will be preserved. I believe maybe is it, it will be this one or yeah, kind of in the design, the very it's a it's an ode to the San Siro in in terms of the design as well. This is why I prefer that you can see like it's very much inspired by the existing tower and the the spiral design. The inside, of course, looks uh, looks really nice um, on a derby day. You know when the majority of Inter fans um, and yeah, this is going to be you know the restaurants area in in and around. You know the VIP area. This is really the money generator. Um, skyscrapers. You know probably apartments and things like that around the area. This is really, you know, that's, that's going to be the money generator for um, Milan and Inter. So it's really, really um, important that um, that Inter do... Oh, I didn't even share my screen there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I didn't realize my, sh my screen wasn't shared with you guys for the cathedral. So you can see here, the cathedral is a lot more... Um, there's more of an ode to, to the San Siro. Uh, where, where did the picture go? go to the gallery yeah you can see here like it's very much uh inspired by the san siro by the, by the miata stadium uh, the tower um yeah so this is why i prefer i'm quite happy that this one is the the winning the winning project and it seems like it will have two different entrances so this is probably going to be like the the milan entrance the red side the devil entrance and then it's probably going to be a uh an inter entrance obviously this is like the, all the vip club bit uh, Miata Stadium, look at that. That looks like it's going to be really, really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy that uh, this is the the winning project, to be honest. Uh, yeah, this is the Inter entrance. Like, I mean, look how good that looks. Seeing that on a Champions League night or, you know, on a big Serie A night. That's a really, really good sight. Um, yeah, it just need, it needs to happen for Inter and Milan to come to the to the, uh, to the 21st, uh, 21st century. Um, yeah, it looks similar to the Juventus Stadium. Exactly, that's why I didn't quite like um, the, uh, the 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 two ring design. Um, wish we could build a stadium that looks like San Siro without the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that would be uh, my my ideal would have been to like if we could buy the San Siro and renovate it. But apparently, um, from what I read, renovating the San Siro is such a difficult task because it's so. Um, old and it's you know about to collapse in some places it's really you know it's a really old stadium so the cost of it probably is ju probably just as much as building a new one would be to renovate San Siro and you can't the the yeah negotiating with the the Milan council to actually buy off them would be seems like it's an impossible task hope the stadium can hold 70k plus people yeah uh it's not gonna be it's not gonna be that uh, anywhere near that actually um i believe these are around 50 55 000, if that uh, i think the i the um the original plan was so it's nowhere near seventy thousand. but you see that a lot with new new stadiums you know you see you know the juventus stadium is only like what 40 41 000. um yeah it's 
modern stadiums really uh, to save on you know cost and to like maximize on you know ticket revenue to charge more as well because they want to make it more exclusive and all that kind of stuff they actually made they don't make them as big um so i, I can't remember the exact uh, the exact figure because obviously the plan's not actually been fully finalized but i believe it's not anywhere near 70,000 uh, but yeah we would be able to fill that easily but we know in italy in general stadiums don't really get filled out like they do in the in the premier league or bundesliga which is an ongoing issue um arrows for the to the net i needed for lautaro wow <laughs> even even today guys you're not even uh, we're not even saving the slander not even saving the slander for the players uh for the players today i wonder if sooning are able to go through with the project with everything happened in china yeah i mean it's not really hinging on sooning it's, it's hinging on the milan council because it's it's not all sooning it's half and half so all the costs will be half and half with inter and milan um everything is is, is in place uh, everything is agreed between inter and milan milan are happy with everything financially with inter um and yeah that is actually this is actually the last thing, according to reports, Inter and Suning are waiting for this to be approved so then they can sell it, sell the club. This is the last thing that Suning are waiting for because in their 1 billion valuation of the club, which that's what Suning value the club, they're including that this stadium approval is, is already part. So whoever, uh, that's the, the reason why the stores in the negotiation with the BC partners happened apparently because there was disagreements in valuation of the club because Suning are already including the value of this new stadium the infrastructure that everything around the stadium included in the in the value of Inter so they're saying you know 800 900 1 billion you know euros they're saying because uh, they want to increase the value before they sell and then most obviously quite rightly most companies are like or whoever's investing is like we're not going to pay for something that's not actually been officially approved. There's no stamp of approval. There's no agreement with the Milan Council. So quite rightly, there's a that's the reason why I think there's been a, a bit of a stall at the moment in terms of ownership. But as soon as something like this is approved, something has been you know rubber stamped, green you know green check. You like you know whoever it doesn't matter if it's Suning or if it's PIF, whoever comes in, the the stadium is getting built then yeah you know it's be a lot the club becomes a lot more attractive straight away um as well so it is really important that this uh, this goes through for inter as a club for the you know for the long term of inter but also for sooning so they can actually you know finally sell the club and uh, you know <laughs> cut their losses and leave uh, which you know majority of the fan base now quite rightly quite rightly want parmesha says he preferred Sport Manica before, but Populous has grown on him. These dinosaurs now need to prove the stadium. Yeah, that's we're literally waiting for these dinosaurs in Italy. Um, just to prove it, man. Just to prove it. Job creations, you know, infrastructure creation, you know, the amount of influx of tourism, everything. Like every, there's so many benefits. Of course, there's going to be like you know short-term cons of you know disruption or you know the buildings and maybe some you know environmental things about building this whole thing but long term for for the city of milan for the clubs it's just it's just a positive thing and it just needs to be needs to be approved uh parmeshwar is clarifying is 60k yeah you know 60k is pretty still pretty decent um bigger than you know much bigger than the juventus stadium so yeah very good everyone in the house what's up brother um if it will hold 60k only then 
ticket prices have to increase that won't go well with the italians yeah but you know you have to you have to find you have to find a good uh, medium we saw what happened with the milan fans for the champions league prices there was a, a bit of a um kind of a a revolt from the fans it was like yo you, you guys are charging too much for these champions league matches and then the club took a u-turn quickly i think they decreased the the prices pretty much you know two days after the the club or the player the fans released a statement so you know we'll see we'll see it's definitely the clubs in their mind you know fun business speaking financially speaking they would like to charge you know top dollar like you know clubs in england do you know even leicester now i live in leicester here and ever since leicester won the premier league ever since um um you know leicester have been becoming a, like a top six team regularly now whenever i try to go watch leicester the tickets are a lot more expensive now the stadium isn't big the king power stadium that's another 35 40k stadium and uh, i tried to go watch uh, leicester versus napoli just a couple of weeks ago when napoli were here for the europa league and it was 41 pounds which you know doesn't sound like much but i remember when you know you could go to leicester leicester matches for you know 15 20 quid um so th this is what happens when you know it's nice when the, you know, the club becomes successful but then they also start charging the fan you know the merchandising becomes more expensive the tickets become more expensive you know season ticket becomes more expensive so yeah it's uh, modern football is becoming hard to keep up with um yeah everyone will get onto the onto the uh the announced uh, losses as well he's already bought the shake clothes make it happen yeah we'll keep an eye on the pif news don't worry guys um yeah, we're not getting the stadium. We're just announcing the the the, the project that's actually won or winning the um, the proposal between the the two projects. Um, yeah, Smiley, I really don't understand like why like what is the holdup in Italy? Like even like Rocco Comiso, uh, Fiorentina has spoken about how the you know the battles he's had with the Fiorentina, like the, sorry the Firenze, like Florence Council to get this uh, to get the you know like a plan for a new stadium approval in the end he's now he's built like a new training ground for for viola for the for the viola called viola park which looks you know state-of-the-art amazing training ground uh the plans are anyway but the stadium it just couldn't didn't get improved and you know you're gonna put off for future investors as well like you know investors want to be able to come in and create infrastructure raise the value of the club with these kind of things as well so the future of Inter will be decided by the end of the year. Yeah, pretty much. You know, this 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 is a lot of hinges on for Inter on this decision because Sooning's how Sooning will sell Inter will depend on this. If Sooning sell Inter will depend on this. Um, I think they're really you know gambling on this paying off because then they can sell the club for you know higher value. Um, look at how the German clubs and Bundesliga handle COVID they still managed to make profits or similar losses yeah that's because it's run a lot more sustainably compared to any other league in the world um the Premier League is able to be sustainable because the revenues are so high but the Bundesliga's revenues are you know even less than Serie A but the sustainability the salaries the revenue match day revenues all that kind of stuff is a lot more sustainable they don't spend above their means um you know a lot of the clubs are you know um have the the 50 the 51 49 kind of model where you know clubs the 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 fans have a big say uh you know the the the, the fans are shareholders of the club so they they run completely differently but the bundesliga in my opinion should be you know the model to look to if you want to for the future of football really if you want to keep football to be sustainable 
yeah, we have we have to renew all the stadiums if you want to attract, you know, investors, you want to make it, you know, visually as well. When you watch a Serie A match, a lot of the, you know, if you watch a match at the, you know, Bentegodi, the Hellas Verona Stadium, you know, these uh, these ancient stadiums, it just doesn't look right. These Olympic stadiums, man, it just does like the cameras like, you know, double the distance from any other uh, pitch. It's, it just doesn't look uh, attractive. So there's a lot of things wrong with Italian football. And for me, stadiums is right at the top. Is a, is a number one issue for me is personally along with like racism and all that kind of stuff but marketing wise getting you know club owned stadiums should be the priority and i don't understand why the the bureaucracy just keeps blocking it um yeah it depends on the, who wins the election um depends a lot of hinging on that in the in milan uh for the for the for the elections um regarding ticket prices blind hope says that they could also lower since they don't pay the stadium rent yeah yeah you could say that but that's uh as you said blind hope you know these guys especially what, what we get into into finances you you'll see these guys definitely won't <laughs> and you know they don't need to you know reduce costs they they need want to increase the prices um italian politics as alessandro says um rakin oh another guy from leicester nice nice leicester in the house lc uh, living Leicester as well, ticket prices have shot up by quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you're a season ticket holder for Leicester, which some of my friends are, they can still get tickets for, you know, 15, 20 pounds. But if you're not a season ticket holder, it's really hard to get a hold of a ticket. Um, yeah, exactly. If you own the stadium, the council rent is gone. Italian culture is a fear, is fear of change. Yeah. I mean, I used to live, I grew up in Italy, so I know exactly, you know, what that thing is not. It's not like a stereotype. It's, it's the truth. There's a lot of, you know, Italy in general is quite a traditionalist, conservative country, you know, which is nice in terms of, you know, conserving a lot of the history and heritage, a lot of the buildings and historical artifacts that are in Italy. But also at some point you have to, you know, advance and progress, um, which, yeah, in Italy can can be a little bit resistant to that change. Yeah, every, in all, I think pretty much every country in the world, apart from Italy, that's uh, that's the case, I think. <laughs> More main, uh, the, all the main leagues, I don't know about the, the smaller leagues, but all the top five leagues, I think, that's just the, the basics. Um, yeah, so that was the Interspac. That's still, that's still going on. That project is still alive. The Interspac um, is, uh, is, is, they're trying to have that, that, that German model, yes. But, with that the fact is you have to have the in like the like Bayern have the three big A's that they call they call them the, the three they need to attract three big or some sort of big corporations to put some money through as well like you know Bayern Munich have Adidas Allianz and uh, Audi is it or someone else the three I think yeah that's three A's um, and they own a big chunk of the of the of the club which keeps you know you need someone like that because Yes, they're talking about this interspack thing that fans will be able to put 500 euros towards this or it'll cost 1,000 euros or something like that. And then you become a shareholder in Inter. But the amount of fans you need for that, um, I know they, they, they put polls out, the polls are all positive, but when it actually comes to putting money down, we'll see how many people actually put money, you know, through to, to that project. And... Um, that won't get anywhere near the value of what you know Suning are asking the 750 800 million like so you need someone that is providing at least you know 500 600 million you know cash flow as well at the same time and then you've got this other percentage of fans that also um own a percentage so 
we'll see we'll see but I, I, as i don't really see that happening in italy just because as we talked about that model doesn't exist in italy um, and as we said italy is quite resistant to these kind of changes um but you know i wish them the best of luck and i would like to invite them on the channel as well to discuss that project i know they were on interworldwide to discuss it a while back um it's probably you know i do really like it as a concept but i don't know how feasible it is especially for a club of the size of inter um in, because obviously those the german clubs there their system was like that already from the beginning whereas now to implement it to a size of uh to a club like inter would be probably quite difficult but yeah that would, ideally that's probably the right way you like the new animation yeah i do like it it's quite cool um yeah and it lets me put like a little background music as well so maybe hopefully it sounds it sounds nice and uh, the audio sounds good uh do i support leicester no i don't support leicester but i do sympathize with them because they're you know my local club there based locally and um yeah I, they play you know good football i like some of the players tillemans body um and they're they're a nice club as well um you know they do really nice things in the community but yeah as i said it's quite hard to get tickets for them these days because they've become so popular um I really enjoyed our football teams fail third game third grade math when discussing inter financial losses yeah <laughs> yeah it is um it was funny and we'll get into that now if i was the inter owner what would you do stadium wise and would you sell the club yeah i mean if i was if my company that i own let's say you know sharma international holdings was making as many losses as sooning are right now i would sell inter straight away because you know I need to look at my actual first my businesses first and take care of that business first rather than than football um and yeah I would push as much as possible for the new stadium is the most important thing like um even if they are looking to sell the stadium as I said like to increase the value of the club is owning a stadium that you know such a good you know something to have it's a it's an asset it's a, it's a great asset to have so it's it's really important that this happens But yeah guys um we talked about how important it is to the financial future for Inter and Milan as well but speaking of the finances let's get into today's um news about Inter's um financial released their financial statement today or they released a um like a snippet of the financial statement like a general um outlook of what happened in this uh, for the 20 for the 2020 season for 2020 year the financial 2020 year um let me pull up the um the press release uh, from Inter on their official website and then we can talk about whether you know should we panic um so the board of directors approves the financial statement for the 2020-21 season uh so The entire 2020-21 financial year was significantly affected by the socio-economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. We know that both Italy and worldwide. Within this context, consolidated revenues were 364 million. The financial year recorded losses of 245.6 million euros. So this is, you know, the headline that's going around at the moment of Inter making these are record losses, guys. This is the highest loss ever made in the Italian football history by any club so quite rightly we're getting flamed for it on the on you know social media by the fans of other clubs and stuff like that but it was expected because of the 
lack of matchday income following the closure of stadiums because of the COVID um, you know, pandemic. Uh, when the stadiums closed in early March, uh, the reduction in sponsorship contracts as a result of the club being unable to provide benefits and the liquidation of sports contracts. So, you know, the sponsors that were there, a lot of the contracts hinge on, you know, the match out like they're there. A lot of the money that was supposed to be coming in didn't quite come in. Um, Antonello, the CEO of the um, uh, the financial side of things for Inter, he estimated that the Inter lost around 70 million euros from stadium income, you know, not just ticket revenue, but, you know, merchandising, all the stuff that goes around at the stadium. So big, big losses that were already expected. So this is not today's today's loss is not like a massive surprise is a little bit of a, the actual figure is a little bit surprised because they were estimating it to be around 200 something million you know maybe two 200 to 10 but actually turned out to be 245 which was higher than expected but we'll have a look why um why that is um there was actually a couple of good um twitter threads uh, franco vanni who is a writer for the repubblica newspaper in uh, italy explains it really well so of the 245 million losses 110 come straight from the covid impact so 70 from the missed stadium revenues as explained including the merchandising at the stadium plus 40 of those sponsors that we just mentioned that could not pay due to the lower attractiveness of the championship light behind the closed doors and then these i think this is where the extra you know 30 40 million that were kind of more than the estimates came from so 29 million relates to the operations about you know the cancellation of the contracts of Nangolan and Jamario so because Jamario and Nangolan had a value on the Inter's books you know around you know six I think Jamario was six or seven million I think Nangolan was also six or seven million and then they both were left on uh, on uh, you know free transfers they were released but it costs money in terms of on the books that comes down as a loss so Inter recorded those two as a loss on the books and those two add up to around the 29 million we won't know the exact number so these are actually um, estimates at the moment because inter will release a full financial statement you know in a, i think in a couple of weeks or in like uh yeah in a, in a month or so they will release like a full you know in-depth financial statement that will you know show every little um transaction that, that will show but these these are you know they sound about right all these are estimates at the moment so a million coming from the Jean-Marie and Angolan. Thank you very much, lads. If you didn't cause enough pain already, now causing us extra pain. And then another 14 attributable uh, to the severance pay uh, for Antonio Conte and his staff. So let's not forget, Antonio Conte got a 7.5 million uh, payoff, which obviously that is net. So in the gross, um, gross amount, there's about 14 million that he and his staff cost in terms of money, you know, getting getting rid of those guys. So that adds up to that kind of extra um, 40 million mark that we uh, that we didn't expect. And also the um, the moving forward, the the, the Hakimi and Lukaku um, sales they weren't registered in this year, so they will be registered in the in the next year. So next year's will be already. Uh, much better and the Icardi plus Valenza um, was was included in the uh, in the previous year so that's why so these are the factors that kind of made this year a lot worse than than it looks so Inter really you know these are kind of accounting tricks that you know Juventus did um, and also Inter now because they've they've loaded all the losses for this 
for this financial year. And it's not just Inter, by the way. Um, as you can see, um, Inter last year made 102 million in losses, and this year 245. But Juventus as well, just before this there, they broke the record um, with 209 just a few weeks ago. Um, and Milan, you know, the previous year got 194 and they actually managed to reduce it by 100 million, only making 96. But, you know, combined these three clubs um, over the last, uh, you know, what, two seasons, two or three seasons, they've made almost a billion euros in terms of losses. Like the outlook for Italian football in general is not just about Inter. This is about Italian football in general. It's, it's, it's really, really been hit badly uh, by by the pandemic. So, you know, it's not just uh, not just about Inter. Yeah, there's another person here who explains how um, the budget, the 2021, you know, accounts look a lot worse because of the J, the Jamario and Raja Nangolan dismissals and the Conte stuff as well. But Inter, moving forward, um, where is it? Moving forward, um, the outlook for the current season, um, they've were, they were already, you know, taking steps to improving this. And by next time, th this time next year, guys, the, 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 the books are going to be looking a lot better. Um, the club strategy is focused on monitoring costs. We've seen that over the past uh, summer, the sales of Lukaku and Akimi adding up to around 170 million. Reducing the wages as well. The wage bill was reduced by around 15%, uh, you know, losing, uh, reducing, halving the wages of, you know, Kolarov, Ranocchia, D'Ambrosio, all these guys. Um, Jamario leaving, Nangolan leaving, Lukaku's hefty wages out of the books. Um, Hakimi, you know, wages as well. So, and then next year, probably the Vidal wages, more wages will be cut. Um, probably a more... What AC Milan are doing, that kind of model will be adopted a lot more of a cost-cutting method um, while continuing to invest appropriate resources to develop the club. Uh, I'm not sure about that sentence there. Um, one major result, which is why also next season, let's not forget, next season's books will be looking a lot better. The, the sponsorships that we've talked about this season, the arrival of socios, you know, they're paying around 20, 25 million euros per season for the sponsorships on the front of our shirts. The digital bits side um, on the sleeve sponsorships, plus them being, you know, our digital banking partners now. That's another, I think, was it like 20 million? Lenovo becoming a bigger partner at the back of the shirt as well. Um, more partnerships in, the, in, in, you know, returning. And also importantly, stadiums are going to return. They haven't returned to full capacity yet, but even the partial reopening ensures the club can once again tap into an essential revenue stream. Uh, so this action will enable us to significantly reduce the group's losses for the 21-22 season. So should we be worried about these 245 million losses? Yes and no. Um, of course, you 245 million loss, that is an astounding figure. I mean, any other business in the world, you'd be like, you know, you'd be super worried. But in football, these kind of losses you've seen, they could, football is just a, a weird business. Uh, there's no other business out there that's happy with making a loss every single year. But in terms of being worried, no, as uh, the club is already tackling the issue, the, we're already you know, taking steps to... to and the, the estimates are actually for next season is around if things stay the same and depending on how much we spend in the transfer market as well, it'll be around 40 to 50 million losses. Um, what the, you know, 
I've seen a few people estimate for next year. The same people that estimated these kind of losses who were pretty spot on. So the main the main worry is about more the, the debt that Inter have, which is not related to the loss. These are, you know, running the club costs, but the debts that Inter currently have, the bonds that Inter have taken out, you know, the Oak Tree, 275 million loan. There's another existing bond that Inter already have, you know, these the debt Inter have amounts to around 600, 700 million or something like that. So that's more the worrying part. These kind of things are the running costs of the club, which obviously are worrying, but they're not a big, big worry um, long term. So, um, yeah, it's that it doesn't it doesn't look great, but these were expected, guys. There's nothing, you know, it's not like the, the Inter... The inter accountants woke up today and they were like, yo, 245 million. Uh, didn't, didn't see that coming. It was, you know, these guys know that this was coming. Uh, it was predicted because of the pandemic. And this is why these massive cost-cutting measures became in, uh, came in. It wasn't just because of Suning. And we've seen with Juventus, guys, the thing, the only difference with Juventus now is their revenue is higher. That's why their the, the losses weren't as high. But also, moving forward, because their owners are not crippled at the moment as ours are. They've been able to do a 400 million cash capital injection um, through Exor, the owning company of, um, of Juventus. So that means that moving forward, they will still continue to, you know, they're fine continuing to make losses and keep pumping money into the club. Whereas with Suning, they have pumped a lot of money into this club, but now they don't have that anymore. They can't, they're not, they're not able to pump money into the club anymore. Um, so moving forward, expect, and that's why I, I've been saying on my streams, people have been talking about, oh, in January, we need to buy this guy, you know, this guy, Costage, uh, Ghostings, all these guys, but it's going to be more austerity, guys. It's going to be more difficult times ahead uh, for Inter fans. So um, I don't, I'm not trying to be like, you know, negative, but I'm just trying to warn you guys to, and I, I was warning people this whole summer that, you know, calm your expectations down even though we want the Scudetto just calm your expectations because it's uh, things things are looking looking difficult I've been saying actually since last season um and actually even you know we did more last season than I expected you know I wasn't even expecting to be able to afford the likes of uh Vidal coming in and those kind of wages coming in so I was already surprised by what was happening the summer before so I'm expecting really Difficult few transfer windows continuing for Auxilio and Marotta. They're going to have to continue to do some uh, some miracles until new owners new owners come in. Um, what do I think of Americans investing in Serie A? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I actually have like a little map about Americans investing in Serie A. Let me see if I can find it because it shows, you know, the American influence in Serie A at the moment. I don't have any, I don't really have like, you know, some sort of uh, anything against particular countries. Like, you know, it's not about the Americans themselves, but because these American investors usually are investment funds who come in and their goal isn't, you know, to win things. You can see now um, there's a few, there's many uh, Americans coming in uh, after Genoa they recently been bought out, uh, bringing a number of clubs to seven that are now... Um, owned by North American investors, so American and Canadian. Um, so that includes, you know, the Friedkin uh, for Rome, for Roma, uh, Comiso at um, Fiorentina, Saputo for uh, Bologna. Um, 
Nidarawa for Venezia, uh, Elliot for Milan, as we know. And yeah, Genoa now uh, with the 777 partners and Platek for uh, Spezia. So yeah, the, the USA stranglehold is be- becoming quite big. But yeah, I don't have anything against American owners, but it's just that I know majority from American Unless they're Italian-American, like maybe like, you know, these kind of Rocco Comiso or, you know, Friedkin, maybe these people that kind of have a connection to, you know, Italy. They have kind of roots in Italy and have, you know, some sort of ambition to win things as a club and create like a legacy in that sense. Then I don't have, you know, I don't have anything against it. But mostly American investment funds seem to be the ones sniffing around. And yeah, they, they're not really coming into improve the squad or things like that they're, they're trying to make a quick buck and sell the club on which you know you know Elliot are doing amazing at Milan but you know Milan fans will see soon they will be sold as well because they're just there to quickly you know improve the finances and as soon as the club you know is look looks like it's sustainable and is doing well um they'll be sold so that's how it is so I don't have any particular preference to a country that comes in but I, I just want you know rich owners that are going to be there for a while and looking to create you know a sustainable winning model that's that's what we want as owners right which owners do I prefer american owner or pif yeah definitely definitely pif if you ask me um i know people have like these these moral issues about what pif do outside of football but to me i don't care about what happens on the football pitch uh, give me that moolah man give me that moolah uh, yeah apparently yeah i was talking to rabona tv adrian and he was telling me that not so much Lazaro. Uh, he's saying that Lazaro's not really had much of an impact. But Jean Mario, he was saying that he was the man of the match yesterday against uh, Barcelona. So, yeah. Inter are to roll over these losses into next year income tax sheet. Yeah, so... Um, um, actually, no, they've actually included... From what I read for people online, um, some of the financial experts are saying they've actually tried to include as many losses into this year's like you know rather than sweeping it into next year's they're like no no this they're fully loaded this year's losses to this 245 million number and then next year is, is going to be a lot a much cleaner uh, much cleaner account um Zizo says italian football needs to be promoted better they need to renovate all of the old stadiums <laughs> for sure for sure um in some countries you can watch Serie A on youtube for free that's really bad look on italian football yeah i know that in um in um as I saw in in yeah in the Middle East the the um, this area is able to be to be seen for free right which is uh which is crazy. Um, what's going on here? Ahmad has sent me a uh, a DM on uh, Instagram. Let me see what it says. Um, Spalletti, what is it? Spalletti didn't know the uh, Spartak. Uh, trainer <laughs> he got it wrong he went to shake the wrong guy's hand no i mean <laughs> I, I, I guess the, I, don't, I don't really know who the, who the spartak uh, uh, coach was a uh, easy mistake to make uh if anything i'm more worried about that on the balance sheet than the net losses from profit and loss because that's easy to fix yeah that's the that's the main worry more the debts and that's the 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 reason why um you know, there's pressure on Suning as well from Oak Tree, the the company who has who gave us the 275 million loan. We have to repay that in three years with interest. That's the big issue at the moment at Inter. Um, 
Lissandro says we need to keep going like we are. The team is good. If we can get results, winning something, a nice football, we can get better entries again. We need to be with the team. Yeah. I mean, we're doing fine. It's just um, we started on this cost-cutting measure now. It's like we're going to have to do more. So the next transfer window is going to be even more difficult for Marotta because then, you know, Vidal's contract is expiring. Will Alexi Sanchez leave? You know, Kolarov is going to leave. So he's going to have to replace a lot of players, you know, Vecino, um, uh, is Gagliardini going to leave? There's a lot of, you know, question marks for the next one. Um, and I think you're going to have to adopt a more Elliot slash Milan type model where you, you try to go for younger, cheaper, lower wages types of players, but still trying to keep the level high, which is difficult. Um, and Milan do deserve a lot of credit for being able to keep or even improve the level, actually, from the last few years whilst cutting costs. Um, Sharma the Drip Lord is returning. Yeah, it's Lazaro. Yeah, he's going to return, man. He's going to return. Um, no one's going to pay and to keep this guy. It looks like we're going to be stuck with Lazaro like we were. We are with Dalbert and Jean-Mario. Um, you think PIF will grow crazy money or they make spot purchases? Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I don't think you can't... Because FFP, the financial fair play, has been, you know, at the moment... Uh, put on hold but it will be it will be back in full effect as soon as you know things return to normal so you still have to spend within your means first thing we'll have to improve you still have to improve your revenues um which is quite hard to do with the Serie A clubs in general but with the new stadium you're able to do that um you know if you do better in the Champions League you'll be able to do that and yeah they'll be able to make a spot purchases but it depends it depends um I I don't think I don't think they'll come and crazy spend crazy money I think that those times are over you know the what man city did what psg did at the beginning um what chelsea did at the beginning those times are over whoever comes in is going to have to do it in a smart way because you still have to do it within your means but unless uh yeah unless they pump you know some crazy money through those uh sponsorships like uh you know man city and psg did but it's still you have to pump money in but i think it'll be I think the way forward is making it smart, smart purchases. Because if you're there for the long term, you have to make smart purchases. Uh, what do I rate the chances of financial takeover of PIF? I have no clue, guys. I'm not a, I'm not a journalist. I'm not. I have no connections within the the circle, and um, I don't know how true those rumors are. That's why I, I'm, I, uh, I refuse to cover it until there's proper. Italian sources confirming these things at the moment only the sources that are coming out are like some some Saudi journalists some tweets here and there but nothing you know certain and I think it hinges a lot on what happens with their because they're trying to buy Newcastle if they manage to actually pull through with that Newcastle purchase then this definitely won't happen so I don't know I, I can't give you an answer on that yeah but we do have a lot of good young players that are potentially coming back um you know van hoisden i think is definitely going to be a backup option next season i'm not sure about pirola because you know serie b experience i think he probably needs something else mulatieri as well esposito maybe agume as well low contracts um but definitely i would if that's the way forward i'd rather see that happening and then we can recalibrate our expectations and because then you can definitely can't expect Scudetto winning and all these kind of things if you if you have those types of players on your team but I'm happy to accept that if you have a clear you know youth project like that like Milan fans you know accept um, Milan yeah Milan were robbed but you know as Interisti 
you know, it's sad to see, but also funny to see for us. Ten yellow cards and two red cards in the Napoli game. Wow, geez, it's a feisty one. Um, but yeah, that was uh, the two main topics I want to discuss today. Uh, before ending it, a couple of more topics I wanted to discuss with you guys. Marcelo Brozovic contract renewals are supposed to be, you know, underway soon. Uh, Marcelo Brozovic, who actually recently um, completed 250 games for Inter, by the way, guys, and he is, you know, people are not realizing he's getting up there in terms of uh, appearances. He's 38th in the all-time list according to Transfermarkt, higher than Maicon, more appearances than. Lord D'Ambrosio as well. He's been, yeah, D'Ambrosio's been here longer, but has less appearances than Brozovic because obviously now D'Ambrosio has become a backup. More than Icardi, more than Ranocchia. And yeah, who has he got in his sights now? Um, Brozovic, he's got some big names in his sights, you know. Julius Cesar on 300, he can reach him. Yeah, probably by, if he stays by next season, he's reaching, you know, Julius Cesar, Stankovic as well. So you know he's getting in, he's, he's getting quite up, uh, high up, uh, bros. Which you don't realize how how long he's been here, but also how you know integral he's been in many different you know eras of this uh, this decade. You know he's been here since what 2015, 2016, and you know apart from the first you know couple of seasons, he's been a vital part every single season for Inter. And um, yeah, according to reports now, Inter. His representatives are expected to hold direct discussions with Inter in October to extend his contract, which expires at the end of this season. Um, it's believed the Croatian has every intention of staying with the club, despite being in a situation where he could probably move for free to a team who will play much higher wage than Inter can offer. Um, yes and no. I mean, that's the thing with Brozovic, as we know. Like, He's a great midfielder. He's proven that over the years, but he's never really seemed to attract too much uh, you know, high-caliber attention. He wants to be paid at least five million a season, which is, you know, the wage that Chala Chalanolu is on now, which is, you know, fair enough. He deserves to be at least paid as much as uh, Hakan. Uh, Brunswick feels he deserves to be a higher earner due to his importance to the team. Yeah, it's true. There's no, you can't deny that. Um, he should be earning, you know, when you look at, you know, Rabiot, Ramsey, uh, you know, Juventus, this guy's earning like seven, seven 7.5 million. This guy should be earning because he is one of the best midfielders in the league for sure. Wherever you, I know there's a few detractors of uh, Marcelo Brozovic, but he he deserves to be for sure one of the uh, one of the higher earners of uh, of this team. He's one of the leaders of this team. There's no denying that for sure. So we'll keep a lookout on that on that front for the Marcelo Brozovic contract negotiations. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss was the. Andre Onana, we discussed that in the last video that, you know, Fabrizio Romano and a few of the sources have said that, you know, is looking more and more likely that he's going to be the new keeper or he's going to be signed by internet at the end of, uh, you know, this season as a free transfer. But a couple of days ago, something flared up, or was it yesterday, a Bern Leno rumor just flared up out of nowhere. The German uh, uh, newspaper Build. Uh, put out a, uh, a statement saying that, you know, Inter are interested in Leno for January and Leno himself apparently was also talking about potentially moving or looking to new uh, moves because he's not the number one. He's not number one at Arsenal anymore. Um, yeah, after falling behind Ramsdale in the packing order, Bern Leno is believed to be open to joining the Nerazzurri. The club would much rather sign Onana, though. This is what is coming out. Um, the rumours are coming out. 
I'm uh, sorry, Romano actually denied the Ben Leno rumor. Sorry, it was the build. The German newspaper was the one that put out the rumor that Inter interested, but actually Romano said the opposite and said that they're not interested in Leno. They're going in all in for Onana, and uh, it's almost a done deal according to Romano. But we'll wait and see that until more sources confirm that. Um, but yeah. Personally speaking, he's not a bad. He's not a bad, bad goalkeeper. He's had a rough time at Arsenal. But Arsenal in general, as we know, they're just a, a toxic cesspit over the last few years. No talent has been able to kind of flourish there, apart from you know their you know, likes of Saka and you know um, other youth players that they actually have. But you know these likes of players, like the likes of Xhaka, we've seen when he plays for Switzerland, he's a good player. Uh, a lot of I think Bern Leno is a good goalkeeper, but personally, I would prefer still. Uh, Andre Onana, he's younger. Um, I think he would command less of a salary. I think he's probably got a higher ceiling as well. I think he's better with his feet as well. You know, that Ajax school of coaching, the Barcelona school of coaching. Um, so I would much rather go for someone like uh, Andre Onana, who will be available on a free as well by the end of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely prefer him to to to, to Leno. Um I personally don't think he's trash. I think he's had a he's had a rough time at Arsenal for sure. But Arsenal fans themselves, I've spoken to a few of them when the uh, the rumors came out, and they said that he is a good goalkeeper. He just hasn't quite, quite worked out in terms of um, you know the defense he's had in front of him has not been good over the last few years. So he's had to face a lot of shots, and um, with his feet, he's not great for sure. That's what Arsenal fans. That's the main. I think that's why Arteta has now put him out of the team because he's not that great with his feet. And I've been told that he's not very commanding in the in the area in terms of communication, in terms of you know grabbing balls, corners, and free kicks. Um, yeah, even physically looks a little bit on the on the skinnier side for a goalkeeper. So he's not the most commanding presence. Whereas Onana, he's a lot more athletic, a lot more you know bulkier, a lot more explosive, better with his feet. Um, but I haven't watched as much of Onana as I have Leno. Um, but personally speaking, I'll. I'll Bozanana would be cheaper, younger, better with his feet. And I think hungrier in terms of proving because he's had that the year out of for, you know, this uh, band that he's had for the last year. I think he's going to be very hungry to prove himself to the world that, you know, he's still a good goalkeeper or wants to break into, you know, the great goalkeepers. Um, Abu here says he thinks Leno is a great goalkeeper, better than Onana. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I think... I wouldn't disagree with that personally, but he's definitely had a rough time at, at Arsenal. Um, who wants to lose 100 million euros a year for a football club? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, no one wants to do that, but football is not really a, a money-making business. And not many teams out there make profit. You can go and look at the financial statements. Even Premier League teams who have so much revenue, but they still struggle to make profit on a year-on-year basis like a lot of them make losses every single year even though the Premier League revenue is crazy um football is just it's not a money-making business for if you're if you're in football um you're not gonna make much money unless you're in it to you know be in it for a bit and then sell it on um Leno's so bad with his feet definitely wouldn't fit into yeah yeah we definitely need someone that's uh that's good with his feet. No mannequin challenge. Yeah, I mean, all of these guys are definitely an upgrade on the current Handanovic. No slander on Handanovic in general, but the current Handanovic, you can't say that these guys are not an upgrade. I don't want to 
yes, Leno's not had a great time at Arsenal, but I don't want to hear that he's a downgrade on Hernandez because this guy is still, you know, would provide me shot stopping wise from more than what Hernandez is providing us at the moment. We've seen it's just the decline of Hernandez, which is sad to see because he has been a really, really good goalkeeper over the past uh, decade, Hernandez. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, and now a stream coming up now. Um, and uh, hope you guys were kind of um, opened your eyes to some of the some of the things regarding the stadium and the financial issues and things like that. Unze Milano says, without defense, we need to keep those good reflexes because our trio is a wall that won't let direct shots. Nothing against Handanovic. Yeah, nothing against Handanovic ever, ever. I've never had slandering Handanovic for what he's done uh, or the leadership or anything. This is just business. Let's not forget, guys. Julio Cesar, you know, legend of the club, 300 appearances for Inter, treble winner. How was he, try to remember, how was Julio Cesar sold at the end of his time at Inter? He was almost, you know, kicked out of the club the way he was treated. Um, it was very cold-blooded by Inter the way they got rid of Julio Cesar at the end of his time and replaced Handanovic, sorry, replaced him with Handanovic um, from Udinese at the time. Because Julio Cesar was clearly declining at the time, like Hananovic is at the moment. And the Inter at that time, even then, we weren't particularly great in great, you know, financial status. Um, you know, that was towards the end of the Moratti era. We weren't great, but it was very ruthless. And it's, that's how football, you know, is. Uh, you have to, if there's a weak spot in the team, you have to address it. And Hananovic at the moment is a weak spot in the team. Um, and I know a lot of people are like, you know, you should treat Hananovic with respect, which is true. But if there are better options out there available, you have to, you know, you have to ensure that they come in. You know, if Onana is available to come in, even in January, pay two or three million to Ajax if the finances allow. You have to do that, um, even though he's going to the Afcon Cup. But even if he's able to integrate by February, March, doesn't mean you take Hananovic out of the team straight away. But you have to start thinking to the future. The Hananovic situation should have been addressed like the season before already. Like we were already talking about, we need to find. Handanovic replacement soon but he's been kind of swept under the rug and it seems like no one was wanting to kind of address it but yeah no disrespect ever to Handanovic for sure uh, Abu says he's okay with the little he's seen from Radu we need to see more of him yeah we need to see more of him I can't we can't really make our mind up with Radu until we see more of him um, and even the little we see you can't judge him because he's so rusty he's played such little football over the last year or so that it's hard to judge a goalkeeper until you give him, you know, regular minutes. Yeah, tomorrow, guys, Sassuolo preview today. We didn't speak about anything relating to... Uh, I want to speak about injury news and stuff, but we'll just cover it tomorrow when uh, I'll do the Sassuolo preview, which will be, uh, you know, the matches on Saturday. So preview out tomorrow. And um, yeah, guys, hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I hope you guys enjoy, enjoy this new setup with Restream. Uh you know this new animation the music in the background let me know yeah actually let me know guys did you enjoy this new kind of setup or do you prefer the old setup with like the scroller underneath um yeah just quick thoughts on on that before before i leave it would be nice to um get your feedback on that because if you guys didn't enjoy this then i'll just go back to go back to the old way of doing things but i do quite like this the visuals and i like how i can stream to twitch and um twitter at the same time so the multi streaming um, ability is quite good on this restream um so yeah let me know quickly before i go what your thoughts is on this 
Zizo says the new uh, setup is really nice. Okay, okay. Mateo also agrees the new setup is nice. I like. Okay, okay, okay. I'll keep it. Uh, yeah, I'll start using this then. I'll. I think I'll stop using. Maybe I'll still use Streamyard here and there, but I think um, I'll start using this uh, more and more often. Yeah, we'll see. Well, you definitely won't play against Sassuolo. You can forget about that. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you very much today for coming in and uh, interacting with me as always. Uh, leave a thumbs up and subscribe if you're new to the channel. See you tomorrow for the Sassuolo preview. Um, if you're interested in joining the channel membership, you can click down below to join and you can contribute to the channel and support the channel and contribute to the Pupi Zanetti Foundation. And um, yeah, ciao ragazzi, forza Inter!